Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. Hey guys, it's John. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into this episode. First, just want to say thank you for tuning into our episode. You can follow us along with other great podcasts over at creativebraincandy.com. Second thing is, we recorded these first four episodes in consecutive weekends, so you'll hear a lot of audio in this episode and the next couple where we're going to be referencing this week or last week or next week. Those are in reference and timestamps of those recordings. We are a bi-weekly podcast. You can catch all of our new episodes every other Monday. Just wanted to set the record straight. Anyway, thank you guys so much for checking us out. And now, on to the show. How's it going, everyone? I hope you all have your feet propped up and drinks in hand because you are now listening to the Video Game Lounge Podcast. I am your host, Kevin, a.k.a. Driz. Beside me, I have Andrew, a.k.a. Chaz, and of course, John, also known as uh, John. And as always, we aren't here for notes and news. We are here to talk games and drink brews. Speaking of which, Andrew, what are you sipping on, my friend? Uh, not a brew today. It's actually a uh, it's a nice grape and blueberry wine. Sweet. From the local country. Actually, this one comes from uh, the Delmarva Peninsula from a place called Harvest Ridge. Not a sponsor. No, no, but it's yummy. It's good. What about you, John? Uh, I have a very special what you're drinking today, fellas. Um, My last name, Haig. Boom, right there, so that all the audio listeners can't see it. But uh, my Father's Day gift from last year, my beautiful wife, got me all the way from Edinburgh, Scotland, um, the family whiskey, the Hague Club is what it's called. So that is what I am sipping on. Fun fact, my family was the first family to have a whiskey distillery, and Jameson Irish whiskey is actually Scottish. Just a little tidbit right there. Still tasty. The more you know. The more you know, yes, because Margaret Haig, my ancestor, married John Jameson. Both both, both um, were born in Scotland, then moved to Dublin and started Jameson Irish Whiskey. So it's actually Scottish on both sides. Hey, but it's in Ireland, so it counts. That's true. As for me, I'm just sipping on some Angry Orchard. I was mowing the lawn today. Got a nice uh, pinkish hue to my otherwise pale skin. So Matches your hair. Yeah, pretty much. Huzzah for being Irish. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, just wanted to say thank you guys for joining us today. If this is your first one, then welcome. And if this is uh, not your first one, then welcome back. Hey, uh, what are we playing? Andrew, want to top it off on what you're playing besides Genshin Impact and your goddamn dailies? You hate, and it's not a good color on you. No, I have actually... uh, I tried to go back and beat that last level of the final dungeon of Final Fantasy, and I got shit on twice, so I stopped. Then I've been doing a little bit of uh, Call of Duty Warzone, then I got shit on, and I stopped. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have loaded up in my PlayStation both Horizon Zero Dawn and the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection, because I want to catch up on some things that uh, you guys recommended, so... Yep, about time you start playing some non-shit games. <laughs> you know, 
I just needed that little push. You guys want to play Warzone? Yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm currently playing uh, Final Fantasy VI, about uh, 19 hours into it. I'm not sure how long the actual game is. I think average is like 32. Uh, continuing to play Binding of Isaac, my fresh file. So that's been a lot of fun since that DLC dropped. And I finally, at John's behest, have started Uncharted. Uh, the first one, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I actually streamed it for a bit. John was co-host on that. He was kind of helping me find all the treasures. He did miss one, though, so I am a little disappointed. I tell you what, though, I went back and replayed that thing. It was in that spot. It's behind that rock that you cross over to get to where the tree was. I didn't know specifically where that treasure was, but it is on that side. So you guys here to hear first, if you're following along to our Uncharted Treasure Guide, go behind the rock that's next to the tree, and it's going to be right there. So yes. good luck finding that. John, what are you playing, my friend? So um, I, you know, at the behest of myself, have also caught the Uncharted fever. So <laughs> I was going back and playing through Uncharted Drake's Fortune for what I think is probably the <laughs> time. Also, I've been playing... Assassin's Creed Black Flag, because that's one of my favorite games. Um, what else have I been playing? Oh, um, because in our local Discord chat between the three of us, we were talking about Star Wars. Um, I am trying to get the Platinum Trophy in Fallen Order, um, so I'm going around to all the planets trying to get them fully explored. Um, so, finally finished Zepho, now I just have Dathomir. And story-wise, I will eventually get to Alum, but haven't gotten there yet in, my, in this current playthrough. So that's what I'm playing. I like it. Well, I hope you guys are ready for uh, episode two of our podcast. If you guys joined us last week, you know we were talking about our, our top ten gaming moments. Uh, today, we're actually going to go continue back and reminiscing. We're going to be talking about uh, favorite video game memories, uh, the first couple games we kind of remember. And then we're going to dive into some story elements that we particularly, you know, enjoy in our video game adventures. So, John, once you start us off, once you uh, enthrall us with your favorite video game memory, if you will. Ooh, um, so th this is like part um, playing the game, but then also um, just a memory I have about the launch of this game. So way back in 2007, I was actually employed by a little company called GameStop for about six months. Um, and in the course of my, my time there, I got to see uh, the release of Halo 3, Assassin's Creed, the original, and Uncharted Drake's Fortune. Um and those were three games, even though I am not an Xbox player. Sorry, you can at me later. Um, you know, those were three games that I was uh, just trying to get as many people as I could to, to buy. And we did a midnight launch of Uncharted Drake's Fortune, and I got to work that. And then after uh, doing the midnight release, I immediately went home, stayed up, and played that game for like the first six or seven hours. And then my morning shift at GameStop the next morning started at 10. So I went from work home and played uh, after the midnight release and then didn't even shower. I think I maybe grabbed Chick-fil-A breakfast on the way into work and then went and cranked out an eight-hour shift and could not stop talking about Uncharted Drake's Fortune. It was such a uh, just immediately hooked in on that game. So um, part of it was work and part of it was being able to just go home and play it. So I was was in it from the beginning, man. Andrew, how about you, man? To be honest, I, I, I can never pinpoint just one 
favorite memory, and that is definitely a flaw of mine. But uh, I, I, a couple of them did pop out, and one of them I do remember when we were younger, my mom would take both me and Kevin to school. And, we, and sometimes we were at different schools, and sometimes we are at the same one, but uh, Kevin would come over in the morning, and we'd play Sega Genesis. We'd play The Lion King on Sega Genesis, that hard game. And then we'd, you know, go to school. Well, every morning, we'd get a little farther and a little farther. And there are some spots where I couldn't get past, and then some spots that Kevin could, and then vice versa, and we'd work together with that. And then every time, it's like, oh, well, sh- we gotta go to school now. We got to turn it off because, you know, there's no save back then. Um, and then every next morning, I'd wake up earlier and earlier and then play the game and beat it as we did to get up to the certain spot so that then we were where we were the previous day ending off to begin anew. And then we'd try to advance further and further into the game. So that was a fun memory. But then you were talking about GameStop and I was like, man, I... I completely forgot, which was dumb. This was actually one of my favorite jobs that I've had. Is I got a really weird random call one day that I had signed up for something and I was like, uh, Do you want to make money playing video games? I was like, Yeah, this is a scam, but I'm sure. I mean, I'm at a low point in my life, might as well say yes. And uh, I got a call back and I was like, This isn't real. Like, and this lady was like, Um, well, we're looking for somebody for more technical aspect, but if a gaming aspect opens up, you know, uh, we can give you a call. I was like, yeah, that's cool, but what is this? And like, well, I- I'm not really supposed to say, but have you heard of uh, like a game called Skyrim? Uh, excuse me? <laughs> well, they're coming out with a new MMO called Elder Scrolls Online. Ex- excuse me? And I, long story short, I got to work as part of the like the game help center for that place. So I literally got paid as an adult job during the launch of ESO. And I was told to play the game so that I could help people get through certain parts of the game. I needed game knowledge to help other people who were stuck. And that was the coolest thing. And I, I, oh, I miss it so much. It was like, now I'm like in boring old grown up adult jobs. But that was, that was like, man, I missed out on something in my life because I'm not doing this on the regular. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not know that you uh, were part of ESO. I remember uh, playing ESO when I was injured at work and I was like going for, I think it was the paint jobs where, you know, if you unlock certain achievements in the game, you can get certain colors of paint. And I wanted to get the one where you had to complete every, like, it was like every mission or every side quest on each island. And you got this, like, really special paint. I think I got through one of the three islands. And then I was like, this, I, that was like 80 hours. I was like, I can't do this. I'm, oh, yeah. It's the same quest over and over. And that's not even a good memory. That's just something i did in eso oh exactly because i mean you had three different starting factions and i needed the proper knowledge so i started in one faction and then once you beat that faction and you get to level 55 you can go up like promotion faction or promotion levels and you can go to the other 
two faction islands and start doing those quests. Well, I started to do that and I had one main character like really far up and I was like, you know, I also need to start other characters from the other factions. So I had secondary and third, or like, uh, like characters that from each of the other factions leveling them up and uh, after a while it got a little tedious, but. So the real question is how did level caps and games and the national speed limit both end up being 55. <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory. There's, there's a conspiracy. Conspiracy theories. 55! <laughs> Sammy Hagar, anyone? No one under the age of 35 will understand that reference. <laughs> well, luckily I'm 32, so I don't get it. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old fuck. It doesn't matter. There we go. That's our first F word of the podcast. <laughs> but... Having you sing that, John, actually reminds me of my video game, favorite video game memory, and it was Cruising the World, all right? Because I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember the intro song, but it was like, Cruising, Cruising World, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Chills playing that game at Pizza Hut. But this game involves- Are we talking about the one that was used to be at Skateland? Uh, was that Skateland? I know it was at Pizza Hut. Because remember, Skateland used to have the arcade that originally was like in in the area where the restaurant was. And then it was like a a side room. And then the arcade ended up becoming so popular there that it ended up taking up like half of the uh, restaurant area. You got the speed. And and I I remember the the cruising was like the main game there, uh, other than Mortal Kombat. Well, me and Andrew had it on N64. And there you go. I remember going over his house before school every day and we were playing this and we were trying to get uh, the Trick speed shots. Uh, it was the speed demon car. It was nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine points. And Damn. we uh, you had to get you got points by doing tricks, by getting first place uh, just for racing. You got points and it was like a very small amount. I forgot. I, I think we spent like 30 or 40 hours and we were like not even halfway or something. We got to maybe like 300 points because all you could get was like three points a match. Yeah, yeah. so we were we were playing the same stupid map over and over again and we would take turns winning. So then I remember I came over one morning and this one I used to get uh, magazines. Uh, I forgot. I think I had Game Informer and I was like, Andrew, man, I, I read the latest Game Informer and they had a cheat. For getting like 10,000 points and cruising the USA or cruising the world. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, what do you got to do? I was like, all right, only one person can do it. I was like, all right, you got to go the speed limit and you had to stay in the lane the entire game. All right. Like whenever we start a match, all three laps, you have to go the speed limit. You got to stay in the lane. I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and go because only one person can do it. So you can do it first and then I'll do it. So, I think the speed limit posted on this game was like 55, maybe. It might have been 45. So, Andrew's driving his little sports car going 45 miles an hour in the lane, and I'm just cruising past him, trying not to die laughing. And then all of a sudden, he he crosses the finish line, and he gets like the two points for finishing second or whatever. And he's like, where's my points? And I was like, I don't know, man. You want to try it again? <laughs> I don't think he tried it again. I think of it. That was the beginning of your deception. (laughs) You're such a trickster. That is definitely Mm. my favorite video game memory. (laughs) 
We never did get the 9,999 points either, though. And I, I think I eventually just put it in with, like, a Game Shark or something. <laughs> I think we mentioned this on the last episode. For me, too, uh, just a shout-out uh, in memoriam to every controller I've ever busted. All right, pe- Ever. <laughs> All right, pieces. <laughs> yeah. All right, pieces. There you go. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> But uh, I think we can move on to the next thing. That's uh, the first couple games you guys remember playing. Uh, any guys want to, you know, speak up on this one? Sure. I mean, we talked we touched about it in the last episode. You know, for me, it was Shinobi Three and Madden Ninety Two. Um, <laughs> uh, getting those first couple of jumps in the in the Shinobi Three, like just being able to figure out how in the hell you're supposed to wall jump and then do it like three times successfully was pretty cool i remember beating the first level boss feeling like i was the world's biggest badass and uh, not realizing there's like another 17 levels or however many i I know i never beated that i I, I never beated i never beat that game Um, but it gave you such a confidence booster (laughs) dude as a five-year-old Kid playing Sega Genesis, you bet your ass. Yeah. Um, He's going to the arcade, popping in corners. Watch this. And he makes that first yeah. jump and he walks away like there's an explosion going on behind <laughs> Yeah, man. For sure. Uh, I, I can remember playing Madden 92 and 93 with a couple of kids in the neighborhood back when, um, you know, like that was kind of popular for us. We just like, we'd kind of do the all-star teams. And so like in the 90s, um, you know, it was the, the Washington football team was pretty good team to play in 92 and 93. Um, I think the 49ers were a good one too. I, I think I always picked the 49ers because of Jerry Rice. He's like the, you know, the best wide receiver of all time. Um, and I, I think the, the game that I can remember playing the most, at least in my basement, that kind of got everybody together, actually two games come to mind, both fighting games was the, OG Mortal Kombat and then um, Street Fighter man and uh, I was I was a fan of uh, Ryu Ryu I don't know how you pronounce his name but um and then what was the long guy with the guy with the long arms you guys know what I'm talking about I, I know Fighter? what you're talking about but I don't know I don't remember his name <laughs> that 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 guy and then Blanca man Blanca was my dude did you play uh, Mortal Kombat or Super Nintendo or Sega I played it on Sega oh so you had the blood. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. since they just came out with the new the new Mortal Kombat movie, not to date this episode or anything, but I was hoping they came out with like a Super Nintendo version where they got rid of all the blood. <laughs> oh man, dude, I, I can remember playing that for the first time on the one level where you can uppercut someone into the spikes, and as like a six year old kid, dude, I was like, holy cow! <laughs> oh, and the guy you're thinking about was Dal Sim. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah bald guy with like big old like donkey dick earrings or whatever it was <laughs> yeah i specifically remember the donkey dick earrings yes yes it played a very vi- it placed a very vivid imagery in my head um of course you know, i talked about it a little bit as well uh mine was super mario brothers on the nes and tetris on the nes um now let's be honest here okay we've all played super mario brothers on the nes now let's see if anyone in the group is man enough, and you guys at home can follow along, okay? Say out loud, here or I or anything, if you died to that first Goomba, okay? Oh, God. I. Okay. I. <laughs> I. Okay, all right. Just make it sure we're all being honest with each other. 
You at home, if you didn't say it, then you're a liar. And if you haven't played the game, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast, but... But please subscribe anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Man, how, how frustrating it was whenever you had you lost all your lives and you started fresh and you're like, all right, this round's going to be different. And then you lose your first life to that first Goomba. Like, bah. Look, he's probably he's probably got the world record on killing people in the in video games. <laughs> Most Mario kills. Raise your hand or say I if you were completely lost on the story the first like a hundred times you played Mario. <laughs> it had a story. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to get some sweet princess ass. Okay, I don't know which that that's the story, right? It's like. I really hate lizards and I turtles and I want to get some princess. You, know what you I mean? guys got a princess? <laughs> Andrew never made it that far. He always just stuck with the toads. Slide down a flagpole. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what's happening here. Toad's like, no, your princess is another cast. And he slides over into hit toads DMs. I've eaten enough mushrooms already. <laughs> but uh, to go along with those games, uh, the NES TMNT, obviously the damn level. And this game haunted me so much that I actually learned the speed run for this game so I could finally beat that shitty game. And I did, and I actually got a okay time, but we'll talk about you know the speed running in a, in a future sense. But then there was Kirby on the NES, and of course Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. That game is just, it's a 10 out of 10 to me. Like, I, I love Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. I have no problem with 3, and uh, not to steal John's line, but don't at me, okay? 3 is a good game. Oh, we played all three of them so many times. Oh, so many. I remember getting three for Christmas, and you got you coming over and playing it. And I also remember going over your house and playing plenty of Sega games. So I'm hoping some of your memories, uh, the, your first couple games you remember playing, involve that beloved Sega console. They do. Um, actually, just before that, when I had the Nintendo, like I remember I didn't get the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I got the second one, the arcade. And I would, I remember just playing that along, and I had all my, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures, I had the Technodrome, I had Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, I had all the characters, so I was like, I know what I'm playing against, yeah, I'm gonna be, uh, what was it, I was usually, uh, Michelangelo or Leonardo, those those are my go-tos, and, uh, yeah, playing a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Captain Skyhawk, that was a... a game that my parents gave me for Valentine's Day when I was younger because they were exchanging gifts and they didn't want me to feel left out, so I got Captain Skyhawk for the Nintendo. We we all knew why you got a present from your gift, uh, a present from your parents, and not from anyone else. A present from your gift. <laughs> yeah, pre- <laughs> we all know why you didn't get a present from your gift. No, we all know why you got a par- uh, present from your parents. Because I was the lonely only child. Yes, I know. And, and you were ugly. Mm. Well, because I was the lonely only child, I didn't want to duplicate the ugliness. <laughs> Um, so while we're on the subject, let's let I have to ask this question: Who is who is everyone's favorite Ninja Turtle? Donatello, man. Donatello. Yeah. I always like Leonardo playing as Leonardo. See, it's it's about the freaking swords, yes. man. It's every every kid, swords, like every time, you just want to dual wield swords. That was the coolest thing. And then you look at Raphael, like, oh, cool, he's got size, but they're so small. And he, Raphael was just always like a, an emotional ass freaking guy. But like outside of Leonardo, my my next favorite character was Casey. Man, Casey, Casey was freaking awesome. Pulling out the hockey stick. Yeah, man. I think I think I chose Donatello because he's actually glitched in the uh, 
in the NES game. Like he oh, has throwing <laughs> that bow staff and then doing the spin he, on it. He actually has a uh, double damage in the the original Nintendo game, where like <laughs> so he's actually like the go to whenever you speed run. So maybe that's why he's my favorite. Well, see, that was the thing. Like I played the second one growing up, and I knew you had the first one. So whenever like you guys had a yard sale in front of your house one time, I remember seeing that uh, TMNT was uh, in that yard sale, and I was like, "There's no way." So I bought it from you, so then I could play. The first one, because I'd never had it. Yeah, how'd that go for you? <laughs> I haven't beaten it. <laughs> yeah, and of course, and of course, Donatello was the OG Darth Maul. Uh, don't, you know, don't question it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense if you don't think about it. You don't need to think about it, okay? You're here to listen. Well, I mean, and he, he was probably the inspiration for Jar Jar, I mean. <laughs> that was more Michelangelo, that goofiness. Yeah, Donatello is intelligent. Switching gears into Sega. <laughs> so there's a lot of like Sonic. Yeah, there's a lot of Sonic that I would play. And like that was like the big gift that I got um, for Christmas whenever I got the Sega Genesis was Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm not saying it was a fun game. I'm saying it was interesting. And I really hated the underwater levels. Like every game that has an underwater level is just, you know, whether it's Mario or uh, Sonic, or if it's um, <laughs> Ocarina of Time, you know, any underwater level sucks. So there's a lot of different like Sega games that I like finally remember playing as my first few games, but uh, I remember whenever my dad got uh, Shining Force, and I was first really introduced to like a role-playing game, and it made me think. And it was one of those like, you know, my dad introduced me to checkers and later to chess, but when he started introducing me to like role playing games, that's where the strategy really kicked in, and you started to have to like think like, oh man, I can't just push everyone forward in a rushing battalion. I have to strategically move around and try to level up. And if I need to retreat, it's okay. But you know, favorite character on uh, Shining Force, Blue. Uh, wasn't Blue in uh was Blue in the first one or second one? I thought Blue was in the second one. Blue's in the first one. He's the dragon. You get him, yeah. uh, get him well, like chapter, you, near the get end. Him like chapter five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's really near the end. I was like, uh, well, Domingo, because uh, Domingo is way too OP. But uh, Teo, Tao, and mm-hmm. Anri, like you had the blaze and that freeze. Oh man, like you know, if you could have a crush on like a a sixteen bit girl whenever you're that young, like yeah, Teo was uh, definitely the the character for me. Who says you can't? <laughs> well, that that red hair, that pixelated red hair, with the with the wizard hat. So circling back, Andrew's favorite game is Genshin Impact. <laughs> so we're circling back to uh, <laughs> animated waifus, and uh... <laughs> I'm just doing the dailies, guys. Just just disregard the lotion and Kleenex <laughs> beside me. This is why we're doing audio, folks, not video. Um. <laughs> But no, I guess I guess Genshin Impact has you know some sort of story elements. I don't know. I haven't played it. I haven't dived that that far into the, the cesspool of games. But uh, Andrew, you got any uh, story elements that you particularly enjoy? Um, it, they don't have to be Genshin Impact. Yeah, <laughs> I hope they're not Genshin Impact. Well, I mean, there are a lot of different ones that are like that really pop out. I mean, if you. I, I can really relate to like the loner male protagonist. Or if you really want to go a step further, you know, you've got the uh 
the the male protagonist that he's he's been a loner but then all of a sudden he has uh people around him and friends and then he has a a female interest oh i'm sorry was i mentioning final fantasy 7 8 9 or 10 touche touche yeah i mean did you not see the pattern from 7 to 10 it's it's all there and pretty much well, I guess really not so much cloud, but yeah, there's it's loner male or especially in regards to ten, there's daddy issues. Nine, you have the mercenary that ends up being hired by the princess and her and her knight. Yep. And then you have eight, who he's the loner, but then the 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 weird girl kind of takes a liking to him, and then you know he has the the rebellious rival that they all like find each other. By and there's no reason that she should. There's 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 no reason that she should like Squall Lionheart at the beginning of that. Are game you kidding? Did you not all. see him? He was the prettiest man at the ball. Like that, they <laughs> said that in that horrible pixelated picture. He's got that cool scar on his face, man. Right. I yeah. mean, if you had a gun saber that was just like slashed up your eye, of course you're sure. you're going to be the prettiest man at the ball. No, but I always love, like, whenever a game breaks the fourth wall element, too. Like, and there's that unique humor. And, I mean, of course, you know, there's characters like Deadpool that always have that kind of fun thing. So even playing the Deadpool video game, that was fun. Or when some of, like, there's a nod or a mention to, like, a previously uh, created game from the same developers. That's always humorous to me as well. And then even, like, the the Choose Your Own Adventures. The ones that really... uh like the biggest one that always sticks out to me is like KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. You know, you can choose whether or not you're going to have a, a negative action, a positive action, a neutral action, whether you want to engage, don't want to engage. I mean, that's almost like, you know, uh, what, Fable. When Fable was able to, you, you could be light, dark, you can start to have a halo over your head or horns from your actions. Like those are always interesting to me. And especially if you can have like stats or different abilities that stem from your actions. Well, in KOTOR, you were able to, you know, gain access to more light side or dark side powers, depending on what choices you made. Those I always found interesting. Did, did you guys ever play any of the, uh, the, the original infamous games? Because kind of what you're talking about there, Drew, is like depending on if you want to be a good like it had kind of a morality system you could be a good guy or a bad guy and depending on what you did as far as like citizens and then part of the story missions you would unlock like red powers for bad and blue powers for good and it was a difference of like how strong you were versus um like your actual abilities it it was really fun it was really cool i I do enjoy the the first two games of that series i hadn't had a chance to really try them or maybe i just had gotten them to try them but i tell you what one of my favorites that is on the xbox 360 is called a uh, record of the agorist war and i recommended that to kevin as well because it, it's a long game but there's a lot of rpg elements and strategy um you know square movements uh combining attacks but then also you have your outside elements of you know what your choice is will depend on like affects how you move around if you encounter more bad guys less bad guys if you have uh, an increased attraction affection to your potential love interests because it goes through like four or five generations and every time that you like go through the next generation you you have more storylines and you have like 
your main character then is affected by your previous decisions. Gotcha. Um, I, I can kind of get on board with the like male protagonist kind of a thing, but I'll even take it a step further, I guess. Just a, a protagonist that's kind of has a lack of a parental like oversight. <laughs> um, you know, not to bring it down too much here, but you know, a- Andrew and I both lost our dads to cancer. Uh, my, my dad was 1998. Your dad was 2000, 2001, 2000, Andrew? 2000. Um, so really any game that deals with, um, the loss of a parent or that you're, you, you have a parent that then gets taken from you and it kind of becomes more of like a revenge story, uh, kind of like uh, fallout three spoiler warning. Um, and Liam Neeson's your dad and it's cool as shit. And then just some cool stuff happens story-wise, but, um, like, even something n- newer, like uh, God of War 2018, like, the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, they are father and son, but you, there are so many context clues within the story and in the, in the dialogue that Kratos has not been around for a lot of Atreus' uh, childhood until the journey that you go on with them in-game. In and so there's a lot of, like, push and pull and tug back and forth between the two of them where... Kratos is kind of trying to to teach Atreus how to become like a god, and Atreus is kind of teaching Kratos to become more human. <laughs> um, and then just some cool story elements happen within that. So anything that kind of has like a dad story or or a parental story, like I'll even throw out The Last of Us, where like Joel and Ellie's relationship is very much father and daughter, right? Um, and the the journey that they go through traveling across the country and post-apocalyptic like United States after this cordyceps virus like they go through some shit together and then um man just absolute craziness ensues and then how it kind of comes full circle in the in the part 2 that the second game um is absolutely incredible so like anything with a parental element where the the parent is either there or has been taken away is something that I, I dive into. It's probably why Final Fantasy X for me resonates so much is because the whole game, Tidus is, is searching for his dad. And, you know, it takes him a long time to come to grips with the fact that his dad is sin and that he's actually doing all of this shit to, to be with him. <laughs> uh, Jekt, I mean, like Jekt is trying to be with Tidus by the end. And Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, it works out. Um, you know. If you haven't played that game, it is 20 years old now. It's Go been play. remastered four times. No. Yes. No. Three and a half, okay. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> the Switch doesn't count. Uh, for me, it's definitely... Uh, I enjoy, like, love stories. And I don't mean, like... There you go. I don't mean, like, you start the game and all of a sudden, a wooga, there's a really hot uh, princess. Yeah. And not like Take that. Take old biddies. <laughs> Bouncing all over the place. Tango biddies. You know I want them in my face. I'm gonna play with these. Bouncy double D's. Them tango biddies. A tango, a biddies. A tango, a biddies. A tango. <laughs> exactly the opposite of that all right like i need i want the game to like f- make you realize that they're falling in love and i think a really good game that does that is shadow of the colossus he's trying to save this this girl 
And obviously he already loves her, but the game shows you like what he's trying to go through. And then the ending of that game is so heart crushing. Um, so definitely a good story, a good love story and also a good sad story. I will, I will get hooked on because I feel like those emotions are much easier to, well, I'm sorry, they're much harder to get. So when they actually, a game does it and does it well, it, it, it hooks me in so well. Um, and also any, any game where, you the game is making you feel super powerful i i love those kinds of games john you were talking last week about when you played um uh, forced unleashed and i remember starting out as uh darth vader yeah uh, and you're just going to town and you're like this is badass and of course the moment that you mentioned when you pulled down death star i was like those those kind of moments. The Star Destroyer. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Star Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. It's been a very long yeah, yeah. time since I played that 2008 game. It was probably 2008 when I played it. But yeah. no, those those moments, they're just so good to me. Like, I love those kinds of things. And like Andrew said, breaking the fourth wall. Um, Metal Gear yeah. Solid did a really good job when Psycho Mantis was moving the controller. I remember uh, I... Where did I hear that before? Was that on a top moment maybe last week? I'm not if sure. If you haven't listened to last week's episodes, kiddies, make sure you go back and re-listen to that hour and a half long episode. It's a goodie. Spoiler alert, it's a lot of spoilers. Um, <laughs> but no, I remember uh, playing that game just like when you were saying, John, like having the rumble controller. And I can imagine if that... I don't even think... Because I didn't play any of the other games. I didn't play Castlevania. I didn't play... What was the... Uh, Psychonauts, no, not Psychonauts. Uh, what was the the astronaut game he had? Um, I can't remember. I'll look it up later. But oh, uh, God, I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about Hideo Kojima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, Scribblenauts. No, <laughs> good game. <laughs> Jesus, wrong everything, but good game. Yes, <laughs> glad to see you're still with us. Um, but no, I don't think that game would have had as much of an impact at least that moment wouldn't have if i definitely didn't have a rumble controller but i remember sitting it on for some reason i was playing on a cardboard box we weren't poor growing up i don't know why there was a cardboard box sitting in front of me i think it was to our gateway computer you know the old moo cow boxes but uh i remember hit this the sound of this like i don't know box that could fit me in it that was reverberating vibrations because of uh the controller but that was that was that was a lot of fun so those those kind of you know story elements really I'll, I'll play, play it and over and over again. C- circling back to Force Unleashed, you brought up that Kashyyyk level where you play as Vader in the beginning. I love the fact that in that game, Vader doesn't run. So that first like 10, 15 minutes of you in that game, Vader is walking through that entire level and just like force pulling and pushing and saber throwing. It's so badass. It's more of you're, like, you're it, just it's like, a death walk. Yes. Is what it's it more is. of an angry stop. <laughs> he definitely was like leaning forward. Yeah. Yeah, dude, the, the opening of that game is really good. Um, I, I like a game that just has like a really unique premise, which is why I've been trying to get Andrew to, to get in on Horizon Zero Dawn, because it's it's fucking robot dinosaurs. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool. Not robo dinosaurs fucking, it's fucking robo dinosaurs. <laughs> um, but yeah, just th- that story... Um, and, and it's how far it is in the future, but it's, it's like the, the, that story is, we're back to like nomads. You're basically like 
just nomads roaming what is left of the United States and the world with these cool robot dinosaurs. It's such a cool premise um, that I, I found myself just repeatedly wanting to play that game so many times. And just the combat is incredible. The story is really, really cool. Very advanced. Um, another cool like story premise is just the whole idea of Assassin's Creed, the animus, right? Like you sit in this machine and it can freaking use your memory and segue that into your ancestors' memories. And just the, the whole like sci-fi thing and then... You have this other race of humans, this super race of humans, the ones that came before this ancient civilization, and they have all these hidden temples spread around the world, and just all this crazy stuff that ensues with that. But just the fact that you can, you know, that was the first game where you, you felt like you were in the middle of Jerusalem and Acre back in the frickin' 1200s. Like, it was just, it was it was so cool. It was mind-blowing. Uh, the the story of those first few Assassin's Creed games. Um, I really just enjoy a, a cool, unique take, a, a premise that I hadn't seen coming before. Um, so I, I'll keep going. I like post-apocalyptic as well. Like I mentioned Last of Us earlier. Last of Us is pretty cool with the whole cordyceps virus, which is a real thing. It affects ants and insects. But the fact that they were able to take this, uh, you know, this fungus and it it just literally will infect anyone outside of your your main steward in this game Ellie is is pretty cool. Um, so anything kind of post apocalyptic like that is is really fun. You know, I'll even again throw Horizon in there. Just that whole like end of the world kind of thing is is really neat. No, I, I agree so. with you, John. I I definitely love the uh, the post apocalyptic kind of stuff, man. It's I don't know. I don't know if it started with Fallout 3 because, you know, I don't, I never, I eventually played Fallout 1 and 2 for the PC, but I, I didn't start Fallout 3 until it came to Xbox 360. And, you know, ever since, ever since that game came out, I think I've been kind of chasing that kind of high, you know, the, that kind of environment. And there's not very many games that I can recall that do it so well. Um, obviously the sequels do it pretty, you know, do it justice. But, uh, no, definitely, definitely that. End of the world stuff, you know, even when it like, even there's very few games that do it, but even the bad guys winning, I, I enjoy those as well. And I think it's just because it happens just one out of what, every 10,000 where the bad guy ends up winning. And it could just be for a little bit. It could be because they're lining up for a sequel. It could just be, you know, that's the story they wanted to go with. And sometimes bad guys are good guys in their own right. In their own story, they feel like they're the good guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it's just, if the the if the writers can pull it off, like, and it's not some cheesy way, it's like, oh, no, I got picked on in high school, so now I'm going to destroy the world. <laughs> this isn't Earthbound. Um, but, no, I, mean, I, I think it's a really cool thing that they can do, and I wish more games would do it, but kind of like um, Alien Isolation, that ending when... Uh, Ripley's daughter, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, I guess the last name is Ripley, though, uh, she ends up dying at the very end because aliens are in her spaceship pod that she jettisoned from, so she ends up dying. And, you know, I, like, a lot of people were upset about that, I was like, no, that's, that's awesome, you kidding me? I wish more games would, like, because I played it a lot, and I felt like it didn't matter what I did, we still ended up losing, and I, I, I like that. 
you know, I, it makes me want to go, like, I wish they would come out again, and then I could fight and kick their ass a second time. I, I, I like a game that can make me feel all the ranges of emotions, too. Like, I'll, I, I keep lauding this game, and I'll keep plugging it until I, until I die, but The Last of Us, man, like, in that game, you get angry, you get sad, there are also lighthearted moments that make me freaking bust out laughing so damn hard. Her stupid joke book. Yeah, the the freaking yeah the the freaking the, her puns and there's like five times in the game where you you hear jokes and I can't stop. Uh, like I'll never get the the scene of when they're traveling in the truck and she's got the freaking Playgirl <laughs> <laughs> magazine and it's just such a funny scene. Like it's. Um, any game that can make me feel all the ranges of emotions, like the the Metal Gear games, do that. Uh, especially four, man. Like Snake crawling through that tunnel. Like Driz was was talking about that uh, last week. Um, man, there there's such a wide range of emotion in that game. Um, another thing that as I'm talking about this that I'm thinking of is like I love games that can give me the most amount of player agency. Like I love the Bethesda and Bioware games where. I can make my character who I want it to be. It's not a set path. Like, I can choose to go help everyone in this village, or I can go burn it to the fucking ground. Or, you know, I can help this guy, and then later on I find out that by helping him, I screwed over another, you know, person story-wise, and I would have gotten a better item or something like that, where I can create my my character, and I have the agency to, to be good, bad, or kind of this neutral in-between thing. Like, you get that with the Fallout games. You get that um, with Mass Effect and um, definitely the Dragon Age games. You can play like Pro Mage, Pro Templar, um, you know, anything like that where I have as much control over not just my character, but kind of how the world within that game sees my character, I'm, I'm drawn to. I think... Unless John, unless you have anything else to add, I think that just about does it for our our story elements. Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> Andrew is clearly done. <laughs> Andrew was done. He had one. <laughs> Andrew's <laughs> sipping his blueberry wine from plug in here. Uh, <laughs> it's gone so. But uh, no, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, it was it was great hanging out with you dudes and all the listeners. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, tune in next week. We're not exactly sure what we're going to be doing, but uh, we could be talking about Uncharted and our, our each of our playthroughs, what we think, our dislikes and stuff like that. We're not sure yet. We haven't discussed it, but if you want to find out, please join us next week. Uh, Andrew, anything to add? No, I, I feel like uh, each of us with our own individual points as to what kind of things that we like, what kind of story elements that we like to engage in or enjoy playing on. I think we hit a good range of similar and also uh, slightly different. And that's things that I remember to say and things that I don't remember, but I still agree with. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Goodbye, everyone. See ya. How about you, Drew?
What? Just your your next thing. God, we're gonna have to edit this out. <laughs> think. <laughs> what do you mean, my next thing? I've said everything. You don't have any more story thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then I'll... <laughs>